What's up, people? Welcome back. Wow, that was loud. Sorry. Uh, I didn't mean to yell. Uh, I am excited, though, uh, to be back with you guys. Nick said it, uh, but we are uh, so eager to be here. I'm so eager to be here with you. If you don't know me, uh, my name's Kyle. I'm one of the pastors here at our church. I get to help lead Veritas. Uh, and man, I'm just so excited, so expectant for what I think God is going to do this semester through our ministry, but specifically on Tuesday nights. Whether this is your first time here at Veritas or, or maybe even your last semester and, and likely anywhere in between, I'm so thrilled to be here with you. Tonight, I want to start by asking a question, and it's this question. Uh, what is, well, we don't have it, but I'm going to tell you the question. The question is, what is God like? Have you ever thought about that? Like, what is God like? If someone came up to you, imagine uh, you're in class tomorrow, you're, you're in your fraternity, your sorority, you're, you're working out, you're somewhere on campus, you're, you're work, whatever it is, and, and someone comes up to you and says, hey, what is God like? What would you say? How would you, how would you answer that question? What is God like? See, that question, it, it reminds me of a quote. Uh, I've shared this quote before. It's, it's from a guy named A.W. Tozer. He was an author, pastor, writer, thinker, and uh, he died back in the 60s. But, but in one of his books, The Knowledge of the Holy, he says this. He says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Now, I've been thinking about that quote a lot lately, and, and, and so I want to unpack it for a second. He says, Tozer says that what, what comes into our minds when we, when we think about God, what comes into our minds when we imagine who God is, he says it's the most important thing about us. Not a little bit important, not pretty important, not one of kind of the important things in life. He says it's the most important thing about us, what you believe about God, according to A.W. Tozer, is the most important thing about you. Now, if that's true, it means our beliefs about God, think about this, it means our beliefs about God, your beliefs about God are more important than your gender. They're more important than your sexuality. They're more important than your ethnicity. They're more important than your family background. They're more important than your economic status. They're more important than your medical diagnosis. They're more important than your social circle. They're more important than your relationship status. You get the point, right? Anything, A.W. Tozer says, pales in comparison to the importance of what we think about God. When, when we think about God, what comes into our minds? Do you agree with that? Would you say you agree? Yeah, that, that's true. I, I agree. What, what comes into my mind when I think about God, that's the most important thing about me. But that's not all there is to say. That's not all there is to say about this, because if you're like me at all, when I, when I hear this quote or when I read this quote or when I hear someone saying the things that I'm saying, my first inclination is to say, why? Why is what I believe about God, why is that the most important thing about me? John Mark Comer, some of you know that name. He's an author, former pastor at a church in Portland. Uh, he's written a lot of books. Maybe you've read some of them. Um, he, he answers this question. He, he says that what comes into our minds when we think about God, our beliefs about God are the most important thing about us because they shape who we are. They shape what we do. They shape how we live, where we find meaning and significance and purpose. Everything about us 
And so he makes the point somewhat provocatively. He, he says this, it's a little bit longer, but, but it's good, so we're gonna go with it. So he says this, he says, the ISIS terrorist beheading the infidel, the prosperity gospel celebrity preacher getting out of his Hummer after late night drinks with Kanye West, the Westboro Baptist picketer outside a military funeral screaming, God hates blank, the Hindu sacrificing a goat to Shiva, the African witch doctor sacrificing a little boy, the U.S. Army sniper praying to God before he takes the shot. The peace activist risking her neck to stop another war because she believes in Jesus' teachings on enemy love. The gay singer who stands up at the Grammys and says thank you to God for his song about a one-night stand. The Catholic nun giving up a normal life to live in poverty and work for social change. Catch this, all of these, he says, men and women do what they do because of what they believe about God. And I think that of course, it's true of us too. Maybe in a less dramatic way, that, that it's true that, that what we do is tied to what we believe is true about God. That what you and I do is tied to what we think is true about God. And so back to that Tozer quote, what we think about God really does matter. Bless you. But I don't want to move on just yet. I'm not ready to let it go. Because, because I think if all of this is true, and I believe that it is, if all of it's true, then there's another important question that we have to ask, and it's this one. Where do our beliefs about God come from? If it's true that, that what comes into our minds when we think about God really does matter, it's the most important thing about us, then I think we've got to ask, well, then, then what's shaping my beliefs of, about God? Where do my beliefs about God, where do they actually come from? And I don't mean that generically. I mean that specifically, like, like you. Ask yourself, where do your beliefs about God, where do they come from? Where do your, what you think about God, where, where does that come from? Think about that for a second. You see, there are a lot of you here tonight, probably a variety of, of responses to that question, right? Not every answer is going to be the same, but, but, but what is your answer? When you think about your own life, what is the thing? What are the things that are shaping what you think about God? What are the things that, that right now, already this week, week one of the spring semester right now are already starting to shape what you believe about God. See, when I was your age, um, my answer, maybe a little younger, my answer to that question would have been simple and it would have been my friends. My friends uh, were, were the primary source in my life of what I believed about God. I grew up in a family, we went to church, um, most Sundays, uh, but to be honest, I didn't care much about church. My family didn't talk much about God, and that's not a dig, it's just true. And so most of what I thought about God actually came from, from what my friends said. And, and maybe you're thinking, well, that's not a terrible thing. And, and to, one hand, or to one extent, it's true, it's not. There could be way worse things, I suppose, to, to shape what I believed about God, but here's the irony. The irony is that though I was looking to my friends to shape my view of God, None of my friends went to church. I don't even think any of my friends would have called themselves Christians. So, so here I am getting my understanding, forming my beliefs about God from people who didn't really know God at all. 
And I think that happens to a lot. I think the problem, that same problem, I think it happens for all of us. To some extent, one way or another, maybe for you, you you kind of uh, identify with what I just said. My friends are the primary shaper of what I think about God. But maybe it's not that. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's the the entertainment you consume. What you're watching on on TV or or, or movies or what you're listening to with music. Or or, or maybe it's just whatever the algorithm feeds you on social media and YouTube. Maybe Maybe it's a professor Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's just your own intuition. This is, yeah, this is what I feel about God, so therefore it must be true. You get the point, right? But how often do we we stop to think about how all of those things are shaping what we believe to be true about God? How often do you stop and take time in your day to think about how all the things that you're doing in life are shaping your understanding of who God is? A lot? A little? Maybe never. Because the reality is these things, they for sure shape what we believe. Whether we realize it or not, they for sure shape, we, shape what we believe. And, and, and that's not so much a problem. The problem is that a lot of these things get a lot about God wrong. Not always. Not all the time. But a lot of the time. Which means that we're we're looking around to get an understanding of God from a culture that doesn't really know God to begin with. Which is to say that if we want to know what God is like, if we want to know who God is, then we've gotta go to the source. If we wanna know who God is and we wanna know what God is like, then what we've gotta do is we've gotta go to the source. We've gotta go to God himself in his word, which is the Bible. And so here's a question. How often do you read or listen to the Bible? If you're honest with yourself, how often do you take time to just sit and read or sometimes I like to listen to the Bible? Do you, how often? Now, maybe some of you hear that question. You're like, dude, I, I, every day, great. That's I, truly, I'm not, I'm, that's amazing. Keep it up. There is literally nothing that will change your life more than regular reading and listening to God's word. But my guess is that there's a lot of you in here who your answer is, yeah, not so much. I don't really listen to God's word. I don't really read the Bible. And I'm not trying to guilt trip you. I'm not trying to shame you. I'm just trying to get you to be honest because I get it. Right, just to be honest myself, I, I personally, you know, I'm a pastor, I've been a Christian for 20 plus years and I go through ups and downs myself. I go through seasons where, where I read the Bible a lot and, and seasons where, where I don't read it as much. I, I go through seasons where, where it's hard to read my Bible because I don't understand it. It's confusing, I don't like what it says or, or maybe I'm just bored, distracted. Maybe I think that I have other things that I'd rather do. I, I don't know where you're at in any of that. But what I want to say is that if we really want to know God, if we really want to know God, what he's about, what he's like, and let that shape who we are, not the culture around us, then we've got to go to what he says himself, his word, not someone else's. See, we won't know who God is unless we meet him in his word. We won't know who God really is unless we go to the source ourselves. Okay, deep breath, or exhale. 
whichever it needs to be. All of that is just a setup for, for what we're going to do this semester. And, and, and I'm saying all that because I'm actually really excited about what we're going to do this semester. We're going to look at a passage, just a single passage, not the whole semester, actually, for the next six, seven weeks. We're going to look at a passage in the Old Testament book of Exodus. Exodus is the second book of the Old Testament of the Bible. And the thing about this passage, it will be familiar to some, but, but the thing about this passage is this passage is the most, probably the most quoted passage in all of the Bible, by the Bible, which is to say that, that the various authors of the Bible countless times allude, refer to, directly quote this passage. Why? Because it's a passage that tells us exactly what God is like. It's a passage that tells us exactly who God is and what he's like. So before we get there, though, here's, here's a different question. Did you know that God has a name? Do you know that God has a name? And, and if you're wondering, it's not God. It's Yahweh. I'll be honest, for a long time I had no idea. But this is, this is God's name. This is God's name. It's not God, it's Yahweh. And why does that matter? Why does it matter that, that God has a name? Well, what I like to suggest is that knowing that God has a name is going to profoundly change the way that you and I interact with God. It's going to profoundly shape the way that, that we relate to God. And so, so what I want to say about names is that in, in ancient, it's not so much true these now, um, but in the ancient times, names, it was more than a label. For us, it's kind of a label, right? Like your mom and dad just really liked the name, and so they just went with it. Or it was a family name, and you got stuck with it, whether you like it or not, right? Uh, in ancient times, though, that wasn't the case. Names were tied more to, to uh, your identity. They were tied more to destiny. They were, that sounds dramatic, but it's true. They were tied more to um, kind of the essence of, of who you were. And so, so just a few examples from the early parts of the Bible. Um, in the book of Genesis, there's a guy named Abraham. And, and if you know anything about the story of Abraham or, or the book of Genesis, um, Abraham means father of many nations, and that's significant because that's exactly what, what Abraham becomes. God comes to him at one point and says, you're going to be the father of many nations, and he names him Abraham. Abraham's son, Isaac, is, um, Isaac means laughter. Now, part of why it means laughter, so, so the story with, with um, Abraham and his wife, Sarah, is, is that they couldn't have kids. Sarah couldn't have kids, and they were super old, like 90 years old, so grandma and grandpa, and God comes to them and says, Sarah, you're going to have a son, and she laughs at God. God hears her laugh, she conceives, and they name the son Isaac, meaning laughter, in a twist of irony. Isaac's son, Jacob, it, it means heel grabber, which is weird, but it was a euphemism for, for liar and a cheat. Sorry, Jacob Hall, wherever you are. Um, but it means liar and a cheat because that's literally who, who Jacob was in, in the book of Genesis until, sometimes the Bible tells some weird stories, right? Until this moment where God has this wrestling match with this guy named Jacob. Like literally, they wrestle all night and after the end of the wrestling match, God renames Jacob Israel, which means struggles with God. 
And so we can keep going on and on and on about different names and what different names mean, but, but I want you to think about it this. Someone said it like this. Names in the Bible are kind of like an autobiography in one word. So when you read names, just know that there's a lot to it. It's not just a label. It's, it's really, it's just the essence of, of who that person is. And so getting back to God's name, Yahweh, well, where does that come from? And what does that mean? So Yahweh... It comes from a passage in uh, the early part of Exodus. So this isn't the passage we're going to look at for the rest of uh, you know, the next several weeks, but this is where it originally comes from. It, it comes from a story when, when God appears to Moses, who at the time was the leader of Israel. He appears to him in a burning bush. Again, weird story, but it's true. Moses is chilling. The, the bush catches on fire, sees it. All of a sudden, it's God talking to him via burning bush. And, and they have this conversation. It's, I'm not making it up. They're, they're talking. Moses is talking to a bush on fire. That's apparently God. And, and they're talking. And, and in this conversation, Moses has a question for him. And we pick up in verse 13 of chapter three. Moses says to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Well, then what should I tell them? Okay, so, so you kind of get what, what's going on, right? Like Moses is talking to God and, and, and Moses says, you know, if, if I go back to the Israelites and I say to them that, that the God of your fathers has, has sent me to you and, and they respond and they say to me, God, well, what's that God's name? What am I supposed to say? Now, this, this question, what is his name? That, that, that sounds pretty normal to us, right? Like you meet someone and, and one of the first things you do, if you've never met that person, you don't know who that person is, you, you say what? You say, hey, what's your name? Hi, I'm Kyle, what's your name, right? Like that's a normal question to us. But the thing about this is, is this wasn't a normal question in ancient Hebrew at all. This isn't, the, the, the question, what is his name, is not how that question would have normally been asked. Normally, that question would have been, who is his name? That was the more common way to, to kind of ask the question that we're used to, who is his name? But Moses says, what is his name? It means that Moses is being really intentional about his word choice. It's like he's asking God, what is God like? What are you like? What is the essence of your name? What is the significance? What is the meaning? God, tell me what your character, I don't just wanna know who you are. I don't just wanna name, I wanna know who you are. And this is what God says, next verse. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So Moses says, what's your name? And God says, I am who I am. And then he shortens it to I am. And then he continues, continues in the next verse. And he says to Moses, say to the Israelites, not so to the Israelites, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. Now, I, I want to go back. Let's go back. Go back to verse 14 for a second, because I, I would imagine that some of you are saying, wait a second, I thought you said that God's name was Yahweh. I don't see Yahweh in this passage. When, when God reveals his name to Moses, I, I, I don't see Yahweh. I see I am who I am, and then I see it shortened to, to I am. What's up with that? 
gonna get technical for just a little bit. So either check out for the next three minutes or, or lock in, okay? I don't really care, just one or the other, right? Okay, so, so it's a great question, right? Where's Yahweh? We don't see Yahweh here, but, but I want us to remember, if you don't know this, it's great. Here's, here's, here's the deal. When we read the Old Testament, what we're reading is an English translation of Hebrew, the Old Testament's written in Hebrew. The New Testament is written in Greek. And so, so we're reading an English translation of, of ancient Hebrew, which was the language that the Old Testament was originally written in. And so, so the thing is that in ancient Hebrew, what we read when we read these words is actually this. Y-H-W-H. Y-H-W-H. Now, what makes this tricky, to be honest, what makes translating this really tricky is, is you'll notice, um, okay, but that still doesn't say Yahweh, and it's, it doesn't say Yahweh, right, because where are the vowels? Well, in ancient Hebrew, as it turns out, they didn't write vowels, just consonants. So, so there aren't any vowels, there are only consonants, and so basically what we have is, is to some extent, scholars have had to get together, and they've had to make an educated guess. And the educated guess, most scholars totally agree on this, so it's not just like we're shooting in the wind, right? Like, they, they would say that, hey, this is how we pronounce this. That when God reveals his name, Y-H-W-H, that it would have been pronounced in that day, Yahweh. So God says to Moses, I am. And we say, he is. Because it would be weird for Moses to go back to the Israelites when they say, who sent you? And he just says, I am. No, he doesn't say, I am. He says, he is, which is a, is a version of Y-H-W-H. Okay? And so that's the name that God says. You are to call me. We are to call him Yahweh from generation to generation. But there's one more thing that I want to show you. Um, you'll notice that if you read uh, the Old Testament, if you listen to it, you'll hear it, but, but it's certainly if you read it, you'll notice this more often, that almost always, well, let me say it this way, almost never will you actually see the word Yahweh in the Old Testament. When you're reading through the Old Testament, you will almost never, most modern translations never use the word Yahweh. Instead, what you'll see is um, the Lord. I don't know if I have this or not. I probably don't. Do I have it? No, I don't. Um, actually, go to the next verse. Back to 3.15. Yeah, okay. So most of the time, when you're reading the Old Testament, when, when, when you, what you'll see is the Lord. Low, small, uh, this is big caps, but it's supposed to be small caps. It's just the font doesn't let me do that. So anyway, big caps here. But when you read your Bibles, you get small caps, right? The Lord in place of Yahweh. Now, now why does this happen? Sorry, I'm almost done. I know this is boring, but I'm gonna, you know, we're going with it. Anyway, um, why do we do this? Why does this happen? Well, what happened is that over time, the, the Israelites, they, they stopped using God's name. They stopped saying his name kind of altogether. And the reason that they stopped saying his name is because God gave them a commandment back, or actually forward in Exodus chapter 20, verse seven. And the commandment was this, you shall not misuse the name of Yahweh, your God. And so what happened is that over time, they took this super seriously. And what happened is that, that over time, they, they thought, look, we're, we're so scared of, of breaking this commandment. 
That it would be better to just never say his name than it would be to break the commandment. And so, so they never use the word, they never use God's name, Yahweh. Instead, they interchange it with a different Hebrew word, Adonai, which just means Lord. And over time, that got passed down, translations happened, and, and here we are. Now, when, whenever you see small caps, Lord, just know that that's in place of the word Yahweh. Now, maybe you're wondering, why does that really matter? Well, to be honest, I think it's kind of a bummer. Who am I, right? Like, I'm not a Bible translator, and, and, and I'm certainly not a commentator, but I get to at least say this because I'm the one talking. I get to say that I think it's a bummer that, that we do this because, because here's, here's the thing. Lord, it's not a name, right? Like, Lord isn't a name, it's, it's a title, and I think there's a significant difference. There's a significant difference, right, between um, um, me saying uh, Mr. President and Joe, or, or me saying uh, the wife, and, and in my case, Noel. right? What, what you call a person, it says a lot about your relationship with that person. And so God reveals, like, catch this, God reveals, he doesn't reveal a title to Moses. He's not giving us a title to call him. He's giving us his name. He wants us to think of him personally. He wants us to relate to him as Yahweh, his name. He says there's greater intimacy when you use my name, not my title. It's not to say that we can't ever use his title or we shouldn't ever use his title. We should, but, but God is revealing us his name because he wants us to have that personal intimacy, the intimacy that comes with knowing someone well. Okay, so but back to that question because we haven't totally nailed what, what Moses is asking. When, when Moses asks that question, what are you like, God? He hasn't total, God hasn't totally answered that. And to be honest, he doesn't do it for another 30-ish chapters until he's having another conversation. Moses is having another conversation with God, this time not in a burning bush, but on top of a mountain. And this is the passage that we're gonna look at for the next several weeks. It's Exodus 34, we'll pick up in verse five. And this is what God does and says. It says, then Yahweh came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, Yahweh. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. All right, it gets weird at the end, right? Like, what's up with punishing kids for their grandparents' sins and that sort of thing? I thought God is merciful and loving and just and compassionate. Yeah, so, so we'll get to this. Uh, maybe you're not excited about that, but I promise you it's better news than it seems. We'll get to this in a few weeks. But the point of showing us that is, is, is that I want us, at least for now, I want us to think about it like this. I want us to reflect about this, that this is what God is like. He is, I am, he says, he is. Next verse, next slide. He is unrivaled. This is what God is like. He is unrivaled, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, 
abounding in love, faithfulness, forgiving of sin, just. I am. He is these things. And so I want to go back to that question that I asked at the very beginning. Because I wonder, is this what comes into your mind when you think about God? Is this what you think about when you think about God? Or is it something else? See, I, I don't know your story. I don't, I don't know the things that you've experienced. I don't, I don't know the, the people in your life that, that have shaped what, what has happened or what you think or what you believe about God. But here's, here's what I wanna say. I do know this. What I do know is that Yahweh wants you to know him. He wants you to know him. He wants you, he wants us to relate to him. He's personal, he's relational. He's not abstract and distant as some people say. No, he wants a relationship with you to get to know you, for you to get to know him. Not just facts about him, but who he really is. And maybe you're tracking with that and you're like, man, that, I actually want that. You know, maybe this is the first time, maybe for you, this is, I said, you know, for a long time, I didn't know any of this about God. Maybe for you, that's exactly where you're at tonight. You're like, yeah, I want that, but, but how? Or maybe you've heard this before, but you just still feel like, man, I, I'm missing something, right? Like God is kind of a, a stale thing in my life. God is just something that I kind of go through the motions and I do, and, and I'm kind of supposed to be here, but I don't know if I really want to be here. I'd rather be, you know, but, but maybe now something, God is doing something inside of you and you're like, okay, but how, how do I relate to God? How do we do it? Well, I think what I would say is, how does any relationship grow? I mean, think about the relationships in your life. How, do, how, do those, how have those relationships grown? It takes time, right? You've got to spend time with that person. It's the same thing with Yahweh. It's the same thing. We spend time with him. How do we spend time with Yahweh? We spend time by reading his word. That's what Christians believe, have taught for thousands of years that the Bible is, that, that when we open the pages of Scripture, we literally have God's Word. Sometimes we say things like, man, I just wish I could talk to God. You can. Just open up your Bible and you'll see exactly what he wants to say to you. We spend time talking to him through prayer. Maybe that's another way of thinking about praying. Just talking to God, having a conversation with God. I know that this stuff is rocket science. You might be underwhelmed, but it's true. And literally nothing will change your life more than spending time in God's word, spending time praying, talking to God. Maybe that's overwhelming to you. I don't know where to start. I want that, but I don't have a clue where to start. I'm gonna plug one quick thing, and that's a podcast that our church does called 10 Minute Bible Talks. It's done by a few pastors, various other staff, men and women in our church here at The Crossing. It's a fantastic 10-minute podcast. You can find it on any podcast app or platform. 10-minute Bible talks. It's 10 minutes. They take a passage, they unpack it, apply it to your life, give you a prayer prompt. I promise you, if you start listening to that, it will literally change your life over time. On your way to class, just 10 minutes, you and God. Spending time with him. 
See, if you're new to Veritas or maybe you've been around and you wonder, why do we do, we, we do also, this, the reason why we do things, it's the reason why we do things like small groups. It's the reason why we do things like, like connection groups and Veritas studies. We want to help you guys grow in your relationship with Yahweh. But as much as we want that, the reality is, is you've got to want that, right? Like you've got to want that. Because you can't expect to get to know someone. You can't expect to grow. You can't expect to know who someone really is unless you spend time with that person. And so the question that I just want to leave you with tonight is is this question. It's what do you need to do to spend more time with Yahweh this semester? I mean, maybe let's, let's make that even simpler. Like, what do you need to do this week? Let's, what do you need to do tomorrow? Music team, you guys can come back. What do you need to do tomorrow to create space in, in your schedule? And I get you're busy. And I get that it's a new semester. And I get that maybe some of you are already overwhelmed. But, but what is something that you need to do to create space in your day so that you can prioritize time with Yahweh this week? this month. It's a new semester. Will you make time to prioritize him? What needs to change about your life so that you've got margin in your day to spend time with him? See, I'll be the first to say that I know that it's going to seem hard It's gonna seem challenging, it's gonna seem uncomfortable, it's certainly gonna be inconvenient at times, but I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, there is literally nothing more worth than spending time with Yahweh. There is nothing that will change your life. There is nothing that will give you a greater identity. There is nothing that will give you a greater sense of belonging, a greater sense of significance and meaning and purpose. All the things that you and I, we all want, there is nothing that will give you those things more than spending time with your creator, Yahweh. I know some of you right now, you're thinking like, man, I just kind of feel alone hear me say this, you're not alone. There's a lot of people here and you might feel like you're the only person here that hasn't gotten it until right now. It's not true. You are not alone. Even if you feel like you are, we're all in this together. Nick said he wants this to be a community of people loving Jesus, learning, growing in our love for him, for others. We're all in process one step at a time, trying to figure out who God is, what he's like, wherever you're at, this is a place for you. This is where you belong. And so I just wanna say this to you tonight. What does God want us to know? What God wants us to know tonight is that he has a name. That name is Yahweh, which means that you can relate to him. I can relate, we can relate to him. He wants to be in a relationship with you, whatever you've done, whatever you're doing, God wants to meet you in that and change, bring transformation to your life. That's who he is. Let's pray. Yahweh, you... (laughs) You have revealed yourself 
in so many ways, and yet tonight we're reminded, I'm reminded, of how personal you are. And I'll be the first to admit that, God, sometimes you feel distant in my life. You feel far. I'm tempted to even believe sometimes that you're uninterested. Uninterested in me. Uninterested in the things I'm interested in. But, God, it's not true. Yahweh, it is not true that you you desire to be in a relationship with us. That's who you are. Oh, help us to see you for who you are, to know Yahweh, what you are really like so that we can grow in our relationship with you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.